0: You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you today. If you're uh, visiting with us, first time with Midtown, we love that you're here. Uh, let me introduce myself. My name is uh, Jake Box, and I'm just uh, really glad that you're joining us. Looking forward to our time together this morning as we uh, wrap up our uh, Life Together sermon series. And we've been in this series for the last three weeks. This will be the fourth week, and and we've been uh, doing this because we, we're really like kind of trying to drill down on the key practice, one of the key practices we see in the life of Jesus, that is being in Christian community. And what we have talked about kind of throughout this series is that, uh, you know, Christian community is so uh, vitally important for us. One of the reasons is where it's where we learn how to love. It's also uh, one of the reasons it's important is because as a, as, 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 created beings made to reflect the image of our triune God. We, we thrive in community. We need community. We do well in community. It's actually good for us. But, unfortunately, uh, in our uh, world today, uh, people's involvement in community continues to wane. And uh, as a result, loneliness just continues to skyrocket. Uh, Mother Teresa uh, has famously said that loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. And, and unfortunately, that uh, leprosy is spreading at a very uh, high rate within our nation. In fact, uh 2018, the health insurance giant Cigna did a huge nationwide survey regarding loneliness. And the survey found that Austin is one of the top 20 loneliest cities in our nation, with 60% of Austinites reporting uh, to be lonely. And four, hear this, four out of five Austinites reporting to say that they often feel uh, left out. 60% lonely, four four out of five, often feeling left out. That's that's well above the national average. And... uh, Mind this, that survey was done in 2018, two years before the COVID 19 pandemic, which we know has only exacerbated this problem, especially for Gen Z. Gen Z, all of our college students are part of Gen Z. Gen Z is the loneliest population in our city. With, hear this 73% saying that they either uh, sometimes or always feel uh, left out or lonely. Seventy-three percent. So this is a big issue in our city. This week uh, on Monday, uh, I went to uh, hang out with a couple of my good friends, guys in this church, Barry and Alex and Rob, and uh, we really just put up with Rob, but the other two guys we (laughs) have a great time with. Um, no, these guys, I've been in a huddle with them for years. They're some of my very best friends. We went out to belatedly celebrate Alex's birthday. We went to Pool Burger, which, you know, hot take, it's the best burger in Austin. It really is. And uh, so we ate there, and then we walked upstairs to the Deep Eddy Cabaret to play some pool and listen to some Waylon Jennings on their jukebox, just fantastic jukebox. And uh, so we were—we had a great time. We laughed together, talked about family, talked about our walk with God, talked about some hard stuff that some of us are facing. Basically, like just enjoyed really good time together. But while we were there, I noticed that there was this uh, guy that was sitting at the bar all alone, just drinking on a, on a Monday night alone. And while we are playing pool, I noticed that at some point he got up and he went to the other pool table in the, in the place, and he started playing pool all alone. I don't know if y'all you know, know this, but pool by yourself is not a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's kind of a two, at least a two-person game, you know. And so I just, uh, I, 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 and I don't know what's going on with that guy. I wish I could say that I, I do know his story because uh, we invited him over to join us and play pool with us, and we got to know him and all that stuff. That would make for a better opening to this uh, message, uh, but we, we didn't do that. And so I don't really know what his story is. I just know that when I was driving home, I was thinking about him. And I was thinking how he must have at least felt that night what 60% or more of our city feels on a regular basis. He he must have felt lonely and and left out. Uh, As uh, followers of Jesus who are committed to uh, seeing the day when Austin becomes more and more like heaven, that are committed to practicing the way of Jesus to see this city change. Like We need to do something about that, friends. We need to do something about the, about the loneliness in our city. Because, listen, Jesus wants to change that. He wants to change it for you. And, like, I just loved Dakota's story and how he's changed that for them. And like that should be the normal thing for us, that we uh, are, are, are part of the way that God is putting the lonely into families. We need to change that for us, and we need to change that for our city. And, and we know that Jesus wants that to happen. And the way, one of the ways that we can know that he wants to change that is because of what he prays for. In John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. So that's the passage we're going to be in this morning. If you want to go there in your Bible, on your phone, whatever you use, I also have the words up here on the slide. But I want us to see what Jesus prays for in this passage and kind of unpack it for us this morning. And as you turn there, let me just highlight that what you have in John chapter 17, the whole chapter is Jesus' prayer. And it's significant prayer because he's praying it on the night before he will go to the cross. And so, you know, whenever you're, you're talking to someone who knows that they're facing death in their near future, like they're not going to want to talk about just small talk, Right. And so what you have here, Jesus is, is pouring out his heart to the Father about the things that are heavy on his heart, what really, really matters to him. And, and what's really amazing is that one of the things that, that he's thinking about in that moment is that he's thinking about you and me. Because in verse 20 of this, of this chapter, in this prayer, he starts praying for you and me, and he tells us what he wants for us. See, here's why I say this. Look, look at verse 20. He, Jesus says, hey, my prayer is not for them alone. And that's referenced back to praying for his disciples who had just been praying for, you know, Peter, Jane, Johns, Andrew, all those guys. But then he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Like the people down the line who hear about Jesus through the message of the disciples, generation after generation leading up to You and me. See, we're included in this prayer. Jesus is concerned for us. He starts praying for us. And look at what he prays for us. He prays that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. All right, now this is a, a beautiful prayer that's, that I'm uh, looking forward to talking about. Because what you have in this prayer is Jesus telling us what he wants for us and he's telling us one of the reasons why he wants this for us, And so just to begin to unpack it, let's begin by just kind of wrapping our mind around what Jesus wants for us, what he is asking here in this prayer. And, and to put it kind of, you know, just succinctly, what he wants for us here is, is he wants all those who believe in him to be one. That's what he says in verse 21, right? And then he repeats it with a little bit different spin in verse 23. He says that he's praying for us to be uh, brought to complete unity. Now, what do you think Jesus had in mind when he's praying for that? Like what's his picture of oneness? What's his picture of complete unity that he's asking the Father to bring about in our lives? Some uh, throughout... Uh, Church history have have kind of leaned towards that Jesus was really praying for like organizational or structural unity amongst the church, kind of praying against the denominations and in the in, you know different divisions in the church in that way, and and uh, you know I think that there's different movements, ecumenical movements to bring about unity among structural denominations, things like that. That's a good thing, but I just want to point out that that's not what Jesus is praying for here. I'm sure it would be great for more unity to to exist amongst denominations, but he's not praying for organizational structural unity. He is praying for relational unity amongst his followers, amongst believers. And, and I know that because he ties this prayer to uh, his relationship with the Father. Did you notice that? Like, Look again, verse 21, he prays that all of them may be one, Father, just as. That's pretty wild. Just as you are in me and I am in you. And then again in verse 23, he prays that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so they may be brought to complete Unity and so, like here's the idea: if Jesus, if Jesus's relationship with the Father is the standard, it's the standard of relational oneness and unity that Jesus desires His followers to have with one another. Then, what does that look like? Well, I just kind of put a few examples of it on the, on this slide, and um, you know, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but I think it looks like this, that between Jesus and the Father, what you have is that they, you have uh, them being one in nature. You think about God, right, and the, as a triune God, one God three persons so you have this one in nature you also have this idea of being one in love and what i mean by love is basically how they relate to one another that that this oneness that's highlighted by how they care for and exist for or on behalf of the other and so think about back in, uh, earlier in John 17, I didn't read it, but he actually begins the prayer, John 17, 1, Jesus does by saying this, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And that's this, this kind of a picture of this oneness, of the self-giving nature of Each person within the Trinity, I'm here, Jesus says, to glorify you. You glorify me, I glorify you. We give of each other this beautiful oneness, this love, you know, captured by the statement, God is love. So you have this oneness in that, you have a oneness in degree of closeness and intimacy. And now, this is a little mysterious to try to explain with God, but like, just take what Jesus says in John 17, verse 21, when he says, Okay, uh. You are in me and I am in you. Like there's this, definitely this this proximity, this closeness, this intimacy in that. Or take take what Jesus says in John chapter 10 when he says, Hey, the Father knows me and I know the Father. And he's not talking about just like surface level knowledge or I know of or I know about. Like I'm known fully by the Father and I know the Father fully. This intimacy, this closeness, this proximity, this Intimate knowledge. And then lastly, what I'll point out is one in mission. What you have with the Father and the Son is, and, and the Spirit as well, but you have this oneness in mission that they are working together to accomplish something, seeking to glorify together the, the name of God by restoring, renewing, redeeming, reconciling the, the lost world, the broken creation, to himself. Think about the Father sending the Son. The Son freely going and laying down his life for us. And then even the Spirit raising Christ up from the dead. That together all working in unison, playing different parts before the same mission. This, this united in oneness. And friends, that's all just a picture of, I think, what Jesus is praying for, for us When he says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I, Father, are one. That we would be one in nature in the sense that, to use Jesus' language in John chapter 3, we're born again when we're united with Christ and we're made new creatures, new creations. We're given a new nature. We're actually the children of God. And that all believers are in the family of God, that we're brothers and sisters. And as a result, we are united by what Christ has done for us. And in that, there's a oneness that that crosses any other kind of divisional lines, such as our politics or our race or our ethnicity, or our age, or our class, or our, our education, that we're one in nature and that we are children of God. Or think about that we're also brought to be one in how we love one another. That this is what he's praying, that we would, we would be people who, who live and give and serve and love and care for and carry each other's burdens, as Joshua was talking about, for one another. That our oneness would be evident in how we relate to one another, just like the Father and the Son. Or that we would be one in how we spend time with each other. The closeness, the proximity, that we're actually in each other's lives, making time for one another being with each other, and knowing one another. That we would be vulnerable and honest with each other, accepting one another, loving one another, knowing each other, and that we would also be one in mission. That we would be united and that we're together with one another and partnering with God in what he's doing in this world. That we're not all in community just for ourselves, but united for another purpose bigger than ourselves with God to see and partner with Him in the restoration and the renewal of the world. Because this is the type of oneness Jesus is praying would be true of us. Is that your experience? Are you leaning into that kind of community, that kind of oneness, pursuing that? See, this is a big deal for Jesus. The night that he's going to the cross, the night before he's going to the cross, this is what's on his mind. This is what he's praying for, for you. He wants this for you so badly that he would pray for it on the night before the cross, that he would die to purchase it for us on the cross and that he would initiate it through his resurrection from the dead, that he would be this committed to make it possible for us to be one, to be united in deep community and love, to be able to image his relationship with the Father and the Son. If it's that important for Jesus, then maybe it should be that important to us like maybe we should decide to pursue that, to make time for it, to prioritize it in our lives. Friends, I just want to encourage you to let Jesus' prayer for you here direct what you prioritize. Because he loves you, and he's good, and he's wise. And if he says this is that important, then, you know, all right, God, <laughs> I'm going to lean into community, or I'm going to pursue becoming one. See, it's really good for you. But it's not just good for you. It's also good for others. And that's the other thing that's fleshed out here in this prayer. So what does Jesus want for us? He wants us in deep community. He wants us to be one. And he wants that for a specific reason here in this passage. And let's look at it again. He says, starting in verse 20, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, right? So that for what purpose? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Yeah. The world may believe that you have sent me. Now, uh, why do you think Jesus connects those dots? Right? I mean, why, why would he connect the, our unity with one another... uh, With the idea of the world believing that the Father sent the Son. Yeah. It's because uh, when our unity exists, uh, when unity exists across political opinions and race, and age, and when we love one another tangibly, not just in word, but also in deed and action, and when we are really in each other's lives, serving one another, forgiving one another, honoring one another, being generous with one another as a result of the unity that we share in Christ, you know what that does? It makes the invisible God visible. It makes the invisible God visible. I love uh, what John uh, says about Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 18. He says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Meaning Jesus, through his coming, made the invisible God known, which you know, makes sense. But the same author... The Apostle John, later in his life, would also pin these words in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. He says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. See, according to John, the invisible God is made visible through Jesus, yeah, And remarkably, through believers who love one another. And see, this this means that the way that the world will get a glimpse of God today is by getting to observe up close a Christian community that deeply loves one another. See, Jesus knows that loving communities of believers give the world a picture of God that the world does not get anywhere else. And so he prays that we will be one, that we will be brought to complete unity with each other and with God so that the world may believe that the Father sent the Son. Steve Timmis and Tim Chester in their excellent book, Total Church, have this to say about just prayer in John 17. And it's really good. And so um, I had a hard time editing what part of this quote I wanted to give to you. So I'm just giving you the whole thing. Uh, It's a little long. stick, Stick with me. They say this, Christian community is a vital part of Christian mission. Mission takes place as people see our love for one another. We all know that the gospel is communicated both through the words we say and the lives we live. What Jesus says is that it's the life that we live together that has a uniquely powerful impact. See, according to to him, the world will be known. The world will know that he is the Son of God, sent by God to be the Savior of the world through the community of believers. And then they say this, I love this line, they say, we need to be Communities of love. And we need to be seen to be communities of love. See, people need to encounter the church as a network of relationships rather than a meeting you attend or a place you enter. Mission must involve not only contact between unbelievers and individual Christians, but between unbelievers and the Christian community. See, we want to build relationships with unbelievers but we also need to introduce people to the network of relationships that make up the believing community so they can see Christian community in action. In our experience, people are often attracted to the Christian community before they are attracted to the Christian message. If a believing community is a persuasive, apologetic for the gospel, then people need to be included to see that apologetic at work. I'd say amen to that. See, Jesus wants two things to be true of us. He wants us to live in light of being one in Him, to be in deep, loving community with other believers, and He wants us to do that in a way that is visible to those who do not yet know Him. As Timothy and Chester say, we need to be communities of love And we need to be seen to be communities of love. For when those two things happen, as Jesus says, the world may believe that you, Father, sent the Son. Now, I know and like deeply feel sadness and even some uh, anger over the fact that This is not what the church in America is known for. That, uh, you know, painting, yes, with a broad brush here, but uh, the church in America is uh, often uh, known for our divisive politics and our division uh, in other areas, our judgment, our condemnation, all of those things, right? Now, but listen, in a sad and very frustrating way, that does highlight Jesus' point here, right? Because it, it, we know that because that's what the church in America is known for, we know what effect that's having on people's opinion about Jesus and the church. What's it doing? It's moving people away from Jesus, in the church. So that as the church doesn't love well, we make Jesus look ugly, and people are disinterested in Jesus and disinterested in the church, right? And we need to change that, friends. That, like, we need to mourn that. We need to repent on any part of that that is our part. And we need to seek to change that. But let me just say the best way to change that is not by tweeting our disgust or sharing you know, the different headlines of what's happening and letting people know that you're not okay with that. I mean, you know, and, and The best way to bring that change is not by distancing yourself from the church and not wanting to have anything to do with it. Though I get that temptation. Now, the best way to change this is by you choosing to lean in or join a Christian community, and seeking to love one another well and pursue being one with them, to where you are, you know, seeing Jesus answer, Jesus prayer here answered for you that you're becoming one in all those ways. Where you care for one another, you know each other. And then, as you're becoming this loving Christian community, you invite others in to see it, where they will get to see and experience you being a community of love. That is where the change is going to begin, it's going to begin on the grassroots level, if you will. It begins by us choosing to be and pursuing to be communities of love, and then being Seen as communities of love. So, like, we have an election coming up, don't we? All excited about that. Let, let me tell you who to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> Completely kidding. See, instead of dreading, instead of dreading this election coming up, friends, we can recognize how it gives uh, us in the church, and especially like in your MCs, in your communities. A powerful opportunity to shine, to stand out in our world. For where else do we find people choosing to spend their free time with others who don't share their politics? And not just to spend their time with people who don't share their politics, but to choose to love them and serve them regardless of their politics. Where do we see that in our world today? Hardly, if ever, anywhere. It's so incredibly rare but that's the beauty of it when politically diverse communities genera- or or generationally diverse communities or or racially diverse communities are united around jesus it bears witness to the world that the father sent the son for there is a unique power of a gospel community whose corporate life demonstrates the reality of the gospel message See one of my uh, one of my favorite times I got to see this happen was when uh, about nine years ago when we when we were starting Midtown Church. Uh, Krista and I, I had uh, some uh, friends that were engaged. Their names uh, Steve in Virginia, and uh, Virginia was a believer, but Steve wasn't, and and really had. No desire to have anything to do with the church or Jesus and um, but uh, so Virginia knew that she she couldn't convince Steve to show up on a Sunday morning but uh, Steve liked us and uh, and so it, Virginia knew that we had a we had a, a group of friends that met at our house every week and we would do dinner together and we would talk about Jesus and and care for one another and and she thought okay maybe I could get Steve to come to that and so uh, she did, and uh, we, you know, we invited him, and they show up, and and it was it was great. And and Steve said, "Okay, I can I can handle this. Uh, I'll I'll keep coming." And so he did. Steve and Virginia were there basically every week for over a year, and over that point of time, uh, Steve began uh, you know observing how we loved one another, how we welcomed him. How we talked about Jesus and the difference that Jesus is making in our lives, and uh, how we served one another, and how we, you know, served others that were outside our community, and, and God used that to open His eyes to uh, the truth of the gospel, and He ended up putting His faith in Christ. Like I said, it took about a year. Uh, when I asked Steve, I said, Steve, tell me, tell me what, like, what changed your mind about all this? What caused you to, to trust in Christ? the number one thing that he pointed to was, the, uh, was our community. He, he said, hey, it's the way that y'all like, really care and love one another, and like, that's what kept me coming back. Like, this was different than anything else I'd really experienced. Both the, the love, the depth of conversation, and where y'all would disagree at times, and yet you still like, would laugh with each other and welcome each other back week after week. He's like, that, that was different for me. And it kept me coming back, and then you know I began to really understand that Jesus really did die for me. As friends, we have to be communities of love, and we have to be seen to be communities of love. Right now, Krista and I are part of an, M- an MC, a Midtown community, that um, meets on our street, and it's made up of three, uh, us and three of our neighbors on our street. And uh, so we get together, the eight of us, uh, home on Wednesday nights, and it's awesome. We've been doing it for uh, over a year now, and we just, like, they're some of our very best friends. We just enjoy time with them so much, and there's, like, we've really become, and still, you know, always have room to grow, but we've become a loving community, loving Christian community. We really enjoy each other. But I'll be honest, right now, uh, we are... Uh, a little inclusive. Like, there's, it's just us. I don't think many of our neighbors really know that we meet together regularly on a Wednesday night and talk about helping each other follow Jesus, practice the way of Jesus together. And so, uh, you know, putting this message together and really kind of leading up to this, I, I began praying, like, God, like, man, show us how we can not just be a community of love, but be seen to be a community of love on our street. Or give us your heart to help others know how you have loved them and that you have sent the Son. And so, yeah, I don't have the answers yet for us. I'm just praying about it. We're going to begin talking about it as a, as a community and just start brainstorming. Like, what can we do to, to open this up more for whether our Wednesday nights or just like, you know, regular hangouts on the the street, but we're talking about how we're caring for one another, somehow to make it visible. Because, see, Jesus says, friends, that it's by us being one, by being brought to complete unity, that the world will know that the Father sent the Son. That there is a persuasive apologetic that is powerful and unique in how we love one another as a Christian community. And when others outside of that get to see it, there's an attraction and they're drawn in. But they have to be able to see it and they have to be able to experience it for that to be at work. And so we're praying about that in our MC. I'm praying about that and we're going to try to figure that out because what if? What if the others in our, on our street were to be able to see that? And what if they were drawn into that? And what if by how we love one another and we included others on our street in on that, that they began to believe that the Father sent the son? What, what if more people on our street, as a result of the depth of love and community that we have in our MC? What if more people chose to believe and trust and follow Jesus? What if, what if on Sinclair Avenue there was a movement of God of people being drawn to follow him and believe in him? Because that would be like heaven breaking in on our street, wouldn't it? And friends, what if that were to happen through your MC or college students through midweek and your small groups what if as a result of you loving one another and then being seen to be communities of love, your friends and coworkers and neighbors, family members, were drawn to believe that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, to be their Savior. See, Jesus seemed to think that that could happen. So the night before the cross, he prayed, Father, will you make, will you make them one, can you bring them to complete unity so that the world may believe that the Father sent the Son? And so this week, friends, in light of all this, in light of what Jesus prayed, here's, here's my invitation to you. I want to invite you to put this into practice. And there's really two steps here. One, one for those that are not in Christian communion. Perhaps you, you're just coming here on a Sunday whenever you can make it. If that's where you are, then we're glad that you're here. We really are. We're glad that you're here. But this falls so much, so short of what Jesus prayed that you would experience. And so I want to ask you to prioritize, to lean into being in a MC, a Christian community here with, mid, with Midtown, or college students to be a part of Midweek which is the way we do that here on Wednesday nights for you, to be a part of a Christian community where you're going to be known and loved and served and be able to know others and love others and serve others in a way that reflects the love that Jesus and the Father have for one another. Lean into that prioritize that. Take that step. We try to make that easy around here. We try to make it even easier today. We we put on the pews in front of you a list of all of our MCs. So they're there for you. You can see them. And we encourage you to take a step to, to join one of those, you know. And then for the rest of y'all who are already in an MC or part of midweek, which I know is the majority of our church and love that. But for you guys, here's my, my encouragement to you, how to put this into practice. It's this. this. This week, will you begin to pray? Will you begin to pray that God would, one, give you the, his heart for people to be brought in? And would you begin to pray that God would show begin to show your MC, your group, your Christian community, how to do that? And then as an MC, or even as perhaps a huddle, that you would begin to talk about how do we do that? What step could we take? What would that look like to not just be a community of love, but to be seen to be a community of love? So that others can be ex- experience that as well. So that the world may believe in the Father and the Son. Just begin that conversation this week and see where it goes. Sound all right? Okay. Well, based off of your rousing answer to my question. <laughs> I'm feeling so confident this message has just landed, you know. Okay, last thing I'm going to say here. Um, As my favorite musician, Neil Young, says, it's going to take a lot of love to change the way things are. It's going to take a lot of love or we won't get real far. And friends, when it comes to this, that is so true. And so to close, we're going to take communion together as a way to reflect on the love that we have in Christ. It's a service you can get up and grab those elements, start passing them out. And as they're passing that out, guys, I want us just to think about something that Jesus says at the end of verse 23 in this, this prayer. See, uh, he prays, he ends this section of the prayer with this statement. He says, uh, then the world will know that you sent me, talking about the Father, you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, the the them that he's referring to there includes you and me. See, according to Jesus, if you have trusted in him to reconcile you to God, then then right now, like at this very moment, the Father loves you as much as he loves the Son. Do you know that? Like according to Jesus, the Father loves you even as the father loves him, which I know it doesn't sound correct, does it? I mean, it kind of sounds blasphemous. Like, how can that be? But listen, just like when someone who is poor marries someone who is rich, the moment they become legally united, they share the wealth together, even though the, the one that was poor in the marriage didn't earn any of that wealth. See, that's how it is with the Father's love, that even though we don't deserve it, we have it to the full, to the same degree as Jesus, when we're united by faith to him. And Jesus made it possible for us to be united with the Father when he willingly chose to die for us in our place as a payment for our sins. That his body was broken for us, his blood was spilled for us. And so the minute you unite with him by faith, all of his wealth, as it were, all of His righteousness and all of the Father's love for Jesus becomes yours as well. And like I, I know, I know that that's hard to take in, but to the degree, to the degree that you believe that, you will be freed, friends. To relate and love others, relate to and love others in a whole new way. For you'll be able to relate from a place of being completely secure that you're loved and loved to the full. Which will free you to love others without demanding they love you in return. And it will free you to serve others from a place of knowing you have already been served to the utmost. And it'll free you to be able to pursue becoming one with your community, even when it's not easy, and even when they're messy, because you're not in it for what you can get out of it, for you know you already have been loved to the full. And His love also gives you what you need to move you to invite others who don't know Jesus yet into your community, though they may, though that might feel sacrificial at first, so it might feel like it throws off the dynamics of your group initially. Would you be willing to do that for this, the more you grasp the extent of that God sacrificed to bring you into His community, into His family? You'll be moved to do what needs to be done to bring others into your community in light of that so they can know His love as well. See, it takes a lot of love to be communities of love and to do what needs to be done to be seen as communities of love. But friends, we have a lot of love for the Father has loved us even as he has loved Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.